Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo will for you come Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. (laughs) That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. (laughs) Just go with what you saw today. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. You'll be wrong often, but then you can just point back to when you were right. No one will remember. No one's listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends. Bo Wolf in my kitchen, Shilkapadia, from beautiful, sunny... Phoenix, Arizona, for the owners' meetings. How are you, Mr. Sunshine? Good. How are you? I'm good. I What's... Told, we we go. were told by multiple people that our last podcast did not have enough energy. I think that was because uh, you were on no sleep. I took the lead for stuff. I'm not a big energy man. Uh, so I feel like we got to bring it here. All right. Let's, go, let's bring a little energy. Tell me, uh, okay. tell me what, what's going on in Phoenix. Uh, what's the uh, sports Indian population like out in Arizona? Oh, Nary is, Nary is sports Indian, robotics Indian. I don't think this is a big spot for Indians. Okay. Not enough water? Yeah. No, you're in the desert here. Yeah, Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're, come on. I feel like you're the kind of guy who, um, well, tell me what you think of Arizona. I, I feel like you, you, you found a way to, uh, to not enjoy the, the sunshine out there. No, it's fine. Okay. But it's just fine. It, it really is the Florida of the West. <laughs> I mean, so, it is. So, and we know how you feel about Florida. It's fine if you like. If, if you're a big weather person, I'm not a big weather person. You know, I like the changing seasons, but uh, it is nice to uh, to get a little sunshine. It is warm out here, so no complaints. Okay, I'm going out there in a couple of weeks for a bachelor party. You boy, you're a Phoenix aficionado. I know, you're and, just I, here and I was just for there. The banger that you wrote on the childhood nemesis package. If anybody has not read that, please go to theathletic.com. Uh, slash Philly, I think maybe your uh, hmm, I'm trying to think here. I before I, it may be the best piece you've written since joining the Athletic. I think that's possible. Okay. I, mean, I, don't, I mean, it's it's certainly the the longest. Although actually, maybe the Merrill Reese was longer. I don't know. They're okay. they're pretty close. Uh, but yeah, check that out. Could could use the could could you you know go ahead and if you don't subscribe subscribe on that story that that would help us out. I'll allow you to do that. I won't fight back on this one. Okay. Go go ahead and do that. Uh, so it has been a fairly. Um, would you say that it's been an eventful couple of days? Tell, set the scene for us. I've never been to the owners' meeting. Set the scene. What it's like to uh, be hobnobbing with the the who's who of the NFL elite. Well, so this is yeah. It's at the Arizona Biltmore. It's always at one of these extremely fancy hotels. And that... you get to stay there as well. No, what oh, are you crazy. Okay. At the courtyard, fifteen uh, <laughs> minutes away. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it's always at these unbelievable, you know, fancy resorts, uh, whether it's Florida, Arizona, California, and it's sort of this break in between the big free agency push and then full-time draft season. And so the, the members of the organizations that come, I think it varies, but you're definitely going to have your owners, your general managers and your coaches, head coaches, a lot of, you know, most of them bring their significant others. Some of them bring their kids. Howie Roseman had his kids here. Anybody bringing a side piece? Uh, yes, I, I think there is a lot of that, but I don't have names for you. I didn't okay. go up and ask if what the official relationships were, but I'm sure there's plenty of that going on. And what's <laughs> funny about this is that like, they're, the, the football people are miserable. It's like they're in prison. The coaches can't wait to get out of here. Like They need, they need to get home in their little bunkers and watch film. <laughs> yes, like, long established yeah. that, ho- that head coaches mostly hate their families. Yeah, so it's like everybody else, you know, the common folk, the media, other people, you go in, you walk into this place and you're surprised they let you in and you're like, wow, this is how the, uh, the elite of the elite live. And it's just so funny that the people who are actually here for the event don't seem to be enjoying themselves all that much. They've got to so. be grinding that tape, man. Every every day they spend uh, lounging, every minute they spend lounging by the pool is a, a minute they're not grinding tape on uh, Central Alabama's nickel corner. 
Well, this was a great, you know, our guy Chad Graff from the Minnesota Athletic site who covers the Vikings tweeted out. A I like a Chad Graff. I like a Chad Graff, too. Uh, tweeted out a quote from Mike Zimmer's breakfast yesterday. And I guess Mike Zimmer lost a bunch of weight during the season. He didn't want to talk about it during the season. This is obviously the offseason. So, uh, you know, Chad, being the enterprising reporter that he is, decided to follow up, I believe, and ask about it, uh, his weight loss. And he said, no, he wasn't on any diet or anything. He was just too busy working to eat. Oh, my God. And so that's why he lost weight. He was grinding the film. He was coming up with game plans. Mike Zimmer strikes me as the kind of guy who, like, you know, sees, sees one of his children, like, three years later and doesn't recognize them because they've hit a growth spurt. I don't you know, know if he what? has children, but... That's a football guy right there. That's yeah, how I see yeah, it. Yeah, that guy... That, that guy's never said I love you to anybody. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's the scene. So they're all walking around. You know, there's something with Nike at these events. Where Except Nike for maybe ha- Nuke Rotney, Nuke, Newt Rockney's uh, gravestone. Nike has like a room or something. And I guess since they're an official partner with the NFL, all these uh, coaches and GMs and owners and their families can go to some place and get these huge swag bags. So you see these these like coaches walking around <laughs> with these huge duffel bags and like three shoe boxes in their hands. And it's very funny. I remember back in the day, Chip Kelly uh, was uh, had a bunch of stuff in his hands. As Chip Kelly didn't down. already get enough free stuff from That's Nike. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Can he get that one? Couldn't he get that whenever he wanted? Oh, I don't know. But no matter how rich you are, you enjoy free stuff. So that's the scene they got here over the weekend. Uh, you know, there's been all this talk about replay and all the rules changes that I'm sure we'll get to uh, Monday. There's a little soiree at the Biltmore that is, um, you know, it's media is allowed to attend. And then you have all the coaches, GMs and owners there. So uh, you hobnob a little bit there Tuesday morning. How was have, that? How was the hobnob in there? Any good? Fine. Any good sightings? Well, I mean, everybody's walking around that. That's kind of one of the things. Any good conversations? No, I, uh, no, not really. I'm not great in that setting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mo- Me neither. I, I, most, I mostly was hanging around with other Philadelphia sports writers. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think. I think that's uh, <laughs> low. Low on both of our uh, skill sets. Uh, so you had that. Then Tuesday morning, you had the breakfast with the coaches. Doug Peterson is rolling around, of course, as everyone's probably mm. seen the photos of this. I think he was very sick of people making jokes or asking him what happened you know oh, you on the uh you questionable you, you're gonna be ready for otas mm. a lot of that those types of things going on um but yeah he was rolling around on that had the uh, what was it foot or ankle surgery i think he's on that thing for a couple more weeks here did you throw any of those out yourself no because I, I knew as soon as i saw him like god he you know he's seeing people really for the uh only like he's seeing people once a year probably here or right. twice a year uh, who he's known probably for a long time. And so just everybody is making that reference. And I was just – it's really the first time I saw him, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's got to be so annoying. Uh, that would drive me nuts. I would just hole up in my hotel room and not be seen to avoid that. But to his credit, he was not. He was out and about um, doing his thing. He seemed to be overall in a fine mood. So It's, it's like uh... – like you get in the uh, the Seattle jokes every time it rains. Yes, it, it's that to a whole nother level. Yeah. So uh, be better people. Uh, so we talked to Howie Roseman on Monday. We talk, had breakfast with Doug Peterson on Tuesday. And then we spoke to Jeffrey Lurie uh, Tuesday evening here from the owner's meeting. So I guess that is the scene that I will set. Everybody is out the door. This used to be a longer event. They would have a coach's breakfast on Wednesday. The coaches could not stand staying that extra day. Of course they not. Actually complained because they would do AFC one day, NFC the other day. I think NFC was always second. And the NFC coaches said, this, this sucks. We've got to be in this beautiful hotel in 85 degree weather for another day. No, we will not stand for this. And so now they have all the coaches speak on Tuesday. And that way everyone can, Bill Belichick had his stuff. Uh, you know, I saw him leaving yesterday, <laughs> yesterday afternoon before even the new rules were announced. Do you think that Bill Belichick knows that his son is on his coaching staff? Or do you think that he just thinks that's some guy? I would think he knows. Okay. Probably. Or, he just, or maybe he just thinks it's a coincidence they have the same last name. Any other good, any other good like, uh, you know, Steve Keim on jet skis or like Dave Gettleman riding a horse and buggy? 
Uh, you know, there's not really. Okay. I mean, there was a, there was an interesting table where you know someone said, "Oh, look at the power table over there," and it was like it was Pat Shermer, uh, <laughs> Bruce Arians. I forget who it was like Jason Light. It was a very strange mix Ooh. of people. So you see that a lot. You wonder, you know, do these people like each other? Do they not? I'm, they kind of. Yeah. I'm sure Pat Shermer was saying a lot in that conversation. Yeah. So there was that. Well, it was funny at the coach's breakfast. There's this huge crowd set up at Pat Shermer's table, and I'm just thinking, what is going on here? Well, I mean, he does have a lot. He does have a lot to talk about. I don't think it's going right. to be very interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I actually thought, you know what? Let me give you my big picture Eagles thought, though. Okay. I thought the organization uh, from all the availabilities came across really well, and I was just thinking this morning that in this setting you can kind of tell that it feels like they're in in very good shape as an organization. They have a plan. Um, There's some cohesion. There's some cohesion. Yeah, it feels like stability. Stability is the word. Okay. Okay. I was looking for. I mean, there could be some changes, which we'll get. I mean, to. there better be some stability. They just won the Super Bowl two years ago, right? But, but I, I, you know, what they were saying, how they were. I thought they did a pretty good job of explaining a lot of their decisions, where they are as a franchise, what's next, what they're focusing on, all those different types of things. So I kind of left this. Uh, I haven't left yet, but I left the availabilities yesterday, thinking that they are uh, they're in very good shape, which is not a you know it's not a surprise. That's not breaking news, but it just sort of stuck out. Uh, I thought they did a good job of presenting themselves this weekend. You know, I I, I very much enjoy ripping them when they do not do that. So you know, it, it's coming mm-hmm. from a place of honesty. Some consistency of messaging across the three head honchos. I think that's true. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, you have written a couple pieces. Please check those out on theathletic.com slash Philly. Uh, one on, uh, after Howie Roseman talks, sort of the big picture philosophy of how, why the comp picks are so important as, uh, as they stare down the barrel of the inevitable Carson Wentz extension. And then some more uh, big picture takeaways from, uh, from all three guys. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, your takeaways from the, the comp pick perspective first? Well, I felt very dirty writing that piece, stepping on Jimmy. The angel of yeah, is like you've got good Jimmy on one hand, uh, giving you like a uh, a thumbs up stick figure emoji, and then bad Jimmy on the other hand is is uh, stick figure peeing on you. Okay, that's one way to put it. <laughs> You know, it was like I might as well have been writing about the Toronto Maple Leafs or something. This was not my beat, right. however. This was a big theme of Howie Roseman's availability. We know it seems to have been sort of this uh, obsession with comp picks as of late. And Jeffrey Lurie reiterated it the next day that they are about volume in terms of draft picks. And they know they're not going to be perfect. They're not even counting on themselves to hit on a higher percentage than other teams. They would like to do that. That's realistic. Yeah, they're working towards that. But I thought that was smart that that's how they're approaching it. So that's why you see... Some of the moves, and we've discussed this before. Again, that's not breaking news. Vinnie Curry was released. Malik Jackson was released. Those don't count against the comp pick formula. Deshaun Jackson, you traded for. It ended up being sort of a pick swap from one year to the next, moving down around, but you're not losing an overall pick there. And so they realize all this talk, which, by the way, I think has become so overrated about having a rookie, having a quarterback on a rookie deal uh, compared to a veteran. Yeah, because they've been paying a lot of money for their backup. So it's not exactly. like they're like, it's not like they're still towards the top of the league in, in quarterback money, right? And talk about what a, uh, you know, what a nonsense thing to be complaining about, like the right. hardest, you know. Right. Oh, boo-hoo, we have a talented quarterback who we have to pay. Now, if you're paying, I think the issue is when you pay the mediocre quarterback that huge money. Of course. He's not good enough to make up for deficiencies, but I don't think they believe that's what who Carson Wentz is. I don't think we believe that's who Carson Wentz is. I think he can make up for some of those deficiencies. But obviously, you're going to have to pay him. Uh, 30 to 35 million dollars this year or next year and so you do have to make some decisions in terms of resource allocation you need to build the roster with young players who are on their rookie contracts uh, who are productive who can fill roles for you and so that's the big picture point is that they don't want to go out and lose these comp picks in free agency and overpay for a 27-year-old free agent who might not be a big difference maker they would rather pay less for the 
31-year-old free agent or acquire that player via different means that doesn't count against the comp pick formula and then make sure that they're getting a lot of picks. I think Jeffrey Lurie said he hopes to have, uh, in the end, about 20 new draft picks between this year and next year. That might be a little bit high. We'll see what other moves they make. But, um, you know, I think certainly between, you know, between 16 and 20 would be pretty realistic. And so that is the overall philosophy about how they're trying to attack this from a team building perspective, building around a quarterback who's going to be expensive. Well, it's nice to get um, some honesty, I guess, uh, in, because this is, the, this is what we can see from what they're doing. So it's nice to right. actually get uh, a sort of a non explanation for that, uh, which we don't always get. Yeah. I think the, to real quick, I think the only two things I heard blatant lies about. Okay. No, um, I'm interested in this. One was Mike Howie on Michael Bennett. Okay. Say, saying that you have to make decisions from a financial perspective, okay. which is nonsense. Yeah, didn't Doug, Jackson. and then didn't Doug say it's because he wanted to be a starter? And Doug Peterson was honest about it. Yeah, he said, I mean, he didn't throw Bennett under the bus, but he said he wants to be a starter. That's what he's always been. And, um, you know, so that's what he'll get to be in New England. So that was obviously the bigger factor. It was not about the financials. They're paying Malik Jackson more than Michael Bennett. That was one and two was Jeffrey Lurie continuing to sell this this idea that they did Nick Foles, this grand favor (sighs) and this grand gesture of allowing him to go to Jacksonville rather than, you know, it just wouldn't have been right to use the franchise tag. Sure. On Come on. You, you couldn't find somebody to trade for him. The Jags pretty much called your bluff and that's why you didn't use the franchise tag on him. but that's, that's okay. That's a pretty good that's, ratio of lies though. Yeah. I mean that, and those, you know, I can understand those, uh, those are fine lies though, you know, in the realm of, what we hear from people. I, I, I don't really understand the false one. I don't know about the need to make yourself try to uh, look like heroes here, but uh, well, you don't want to say that you, you don't want to say that you lost like negotiations that you were trying to get a deal and, and couldn't get one done. I guess so, but you don't have to be so blatant about it, but whatever, it's fine. Yeah. I thought overall Lurie, this was one of Pet Lurie's best uh, press conferences actually. Oh, interesting. It was an interesting little backdrop. It looked like, what was that uh, set up? Just some random room. Okay. Um, okay. so the comp pick thing, uh, I mean, it does make sense. Um, and it also like the idea of, you know, we, we get on them a little bit for signing these old guys, but it, you know, it does make sense if you're going to, would you rather, if you're, if the price is the same, would you rather pay for a good old guy or a mediocre young guy, you know, and, and you're expecting only one or two years anyway, as long as you're realistic about, uh, you know, what the, what the payoff is going to be. Uh, that it's going to be short term. I think that I think that that's probably fine. And Howie Roseman did also make the point that if there were players who were twenty six, twenty seven available who they thought were really good, you know that that wouldn't necessarily prevent them from signing those guys. But they did not feel that was the case this year, and it's usually not the case right. in free agency. It has its you know they got Brandon Brooks and Rodney McLeod. They have uh, made some good signings there, but it's not always going to be the case and um you know just from the free agency work i was doing for the athletic uh you know i think that's a pretty good assessment of it where you saw sort of a lot of mediocre 27 year olds getting crazy amounts of money that's not the best way to build your team mm-hmm. that was a that was a fun piece with uh, with ben fennel and uh, jason from over the cap i thought they did a good job i thought you did a good job too don't don't sell yourself short okay thank you i'll take it yeah um okay so what else what else from howie jumped out to you let me let me look at your uh your, your 13 takeaways if there was a roseman thing. no there's uh, i i would say that was the he, big picture he was the least he was the least interesting he was fine i mean it, okay. it, the big thieves were the comp pick thing oh the running the, backs the running backs yes uh which we have talked about i mean there's no there is no need to panic uh this is like it's not dissimilar from two years ago they will they will sign some running back and it's they just you know we know from Howie Roseman and watching him build teams over the years that it's not a position that he uh, thinks is important enough to commit significant resources to. Although I also think it's totally fair to question them not signing Tevin Coleman and I think that will be a sort of pairing to watch throughout the season. How is Tevin Coleman performing and how is whoever they end up? 
getting performing. Yeah, there was an uh, Jeff McLean had an interesting story, right, about uh, that there were some people in the building who wanted Tevin Coleman and how he was not as enthusiastic. I, I think it was that Deuce Daly had him uh, number one, or really liked him, uh, really liked Tevin Coleman as a running back and some other. It, it was basically that the Eagles had some level of interest in Tevin Coleman, but. Um, well, it was odd because there were several reporters, remember, who were sort of uh, hinting that that was going to happen. So obviously right. that was coming from somewhere. Right. So it was that they were interested on some level, and but there wasn't really a clear explanation about why they didn't uh, pull the trigger on, uh, on you know, and being the, a little bit more aggressive because it didn't take the, you know, right. it obviously didn't take that much to land him. So there was right. something going on internally that uh, made them shy away. All right, tell me about the uh, coach's breakfast. How early did you get there in order to get a good seat? Well, I got there, I would say, at 7.30, and the breakfast starts at 8.15. Okay, how many so people I, had beaten I, you? How many, how many people were there first? And, and well, it, Go ahead. Well, I dialed, you know, Dave Zangaro from NBC Sports Philadelphia volunteered to uh, drive me over, but he was leaving at seven and I thought, eh, it's a little bit early. You know, we oh. had the soiree the night before. I like to get a little, uh, you know, a little extra 15, 20 minutes in the morning. So I said, you know, thank you for the offer, but I'll take a lift. But then I go down, dial up the lift, 17 minute wait. Ooh. So Tim McManus and I said, what do we do here? We look to our left. Howard Eskins about to get into his lift. Nice. We say, yo, genius. Can we jump in there with you? So Howard uh, allowed us to get in his lift, so he was a bit of a lifesaver there. Very nice. Okay. So, so we get in the lift with, uh, so with Eskin. I'm guessing – oh, go ahead. I, I, tell me how many reporters were there first, and then I want to guess who was there yeah. first. Oh, okay. All right. So we, uh, we get over there, and the table is pretty full. Not every seat is taken. Mm-hmm. There were – I'm trying to think – one, two, three – was that it? There, only... there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of chairs, and then there okay. were like camera. Then there were camera people, you know. Sure, sure. TV stuff set up, and uh, so I, I don't know who was taking those, but I can remember. No four. I, there were definitely four people who were there uh, before we got there. So go ahead and guess. Okay, two can I name the four reporters who got two there? Two can you name? I'm gonna say uh, Zach Berman without question. Incorrect. Really? That is shocking. Uh, Zangaro, because you, you already gave that one away. Correct. Um, McLean? Incorrect. Wow. The Inquirer guys. <laughs> Slow on the draw. Never would have guessed. <laughs> That's shocking. Okay. All right. Um, geez. Uh, a Rosenblatt? Correct. A... Wow, this is this is slim pickings gotten two now. Two of the four, yeah, you've gotten two of the four. Um, geez, I don't know. Uh, Do you forget who's like on the beat? Why? Why are these guesses yeah. taking so long? Well, I don't. I also don't know who's who traveled. Okay. Um. Geez. Um. A less. Incorrect. Wow. What are those guys at Philly.com doing? <laughs> Sauntering in. How about, geez, I don't know, a Rube? Boy, what a segment. No, 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 no. Uh, I mean, Rube wasn't here. Okay. Like Nick Fierro? Incorrect. Boy, this is, this is worse than even my usual terrible performances. I can't, I can't. This is astounding. I don't even okay, know who else so was allowed to, to go. Okay. Let uh, me know if you give up. Are there any, are there any national people there? Or it's just beat people. Nope, local. You're missing two locals. One, Kem- I feel like, is very disrespectful. Kemsky? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't. I didn't even know if Kemsky was there. No respect. Wow. Okay. Well, no, I would I should have known. He's a, he's an early riser. Um, and then the last one. Uh, Do you want to hint? Sure. Assembly required. Assembly required. That's my hint. It's going to take you a couple steps to get there. <laughs> Assembly required. Um, 
Jeez. Okay. Should I just give it to you? Give me the initials. No, that gives it away. All right. That's your hint. Uh, this man is known by his initials. Oh, disrespectful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is terrible. People are shouting at their radios. I've Not got, radios, I've whatever. Got, oh, Elliot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you get the assembly required? No. We did the Eagles uh, oh, thing. His, for oh, his IKEA picky. desk? Was that the Ikea desk? That's a See? terrible hint. Next level, my friend. Yeah, I would have never gotten that hint. Okay. okay. Great job, respect, man. respect. Okay, so I, uh, yeah. So wow, the Philly.com guys, what was going on? I don't know. You'd have to ask Steph. Maybe mm. you can have them on your podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I got a, a... Now, Howard did very quickly try to, uh, you know, he did me a favor... And so he wanted the, the favor back where I was sitting in this sort of seat next to him. And he wanted to make sure I was not close enough to Doug where I was in his way of his periscope. Okay. And where I would, uh, you know, ruin some of the audio. So he was very instructive in how I should sit there. He rubbed to, your uh, back, you had to rub his. Not getting his way. And so I think as Zangaro pointed out, wow, Howard, you really, uh, it took you like five minutes to cash in that favor from, uh, <laughs> <laughs> from Sheol at one point. Howard yelled, I paid for his lift drive. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, that was fun, but it, it, it was cordial. I said, listen, That's tell me what funny. you need. Give me a nudge. I don't get offended. I, you know, I've got a seat. I'm fine. So I was right next to Doug. Good for you. How, uh, well, I'm, well, I'm surprised that that seat was open. Or did they not know where Doug was going to sit? Well, they did. I think people don't like being in the media shots of oh. reporters taking pictures of Doug. And then Scaredy you're in the cats. background. Scaredy but cats. I had on a nice crisp, uh, crisp button down, and uh, I made sure there was no food in my teeth. I had just a bagel before, before the breakfast, so I was feeling good. I really should have worn my athletic gear. And so next year, mm. I will be rocking all athletic gear. You got to get in the background of these shots and do some branding. Yeah, that's smart. And maybe some birds with friends gear. Now nah, we're talking. Uh, more about me than, uh, you know, with all due respect. <laughs> Fair enough. How about just a Sheila Capadia shirt? Yeah, though? at Sheila Capadia. You can I do the Jason Peters right. move and wear a shirt with your face on it. I do. I like that. Okay. Uh, all right. So um, the, the headline thing from Doug, I thought, which uh, you made your top bullet point, was that, uh, you know, during the season... He's so busy, he doesn't have time to listen to Birds with Friends. But, you know, with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of time to himself, it, it sounds like he went back through the catalog of our episodes during the season and uh, finally realized that he, he shrunk when it, terms to, when it comes to being aggressive. He was, not, he was not the 2017 Doug Peterson, and he vows to uh, return to form in, in 2019. Yeah, I couldn't be, you know, my sort of thoughts on Doug from, let's say, after that regular season Saints game until now, I feel like he's had a very good run. Just yeah. in terms of what I think of him long term. You know, we've discussed how the team sort of stayed together at the end of the season and his leadership really showed and the players really sort of, you know, I don't know, rallied around him, but were, you know, had his back throughout that and it was an impressive run at the end of the season and then uh, into the playoffs and then this I thought was just a, a great sign where he said there were times uh, last year where he feels like he could have been more aggressive and that's something he's reflected on this offseason some of the decisions he's made all you know all those different types of things kind of getting back to that mentality of 2017 and this is something we've discussed where it's not always the analytics with Doug you know he does have the the guys in his earpiece and they're telling him win probabilities but that aggressiveness in 2017 what kept coming through was that he felt like there were these sort of psychological effects where the players believed that he believed in them because sure. he was saying, Let, let's go for it in these situations. I know you guys can get it. I remember Zach Ertz, Lane Johnson, these other guys talking about that over and over again, how much they appreciated that. And that wasn't the case all along last season. So uh, I think it's, it's not a about great, the calls. Right. I think it's a great sign. 
that he's sort of acknowledging that. I don't know if it came internally. I don't know if it came through with discussions with the owner, with other people in the organization. But the fact that he's acknowledging it is just a great sign, I feel like, going into 2019. Well, I don't want to give him too much credit here. Because, oh, baby. Scale it back. Because we asked him about this at the end of the season, and he was very defensive about it. So, you know, it's good that he that he has uh, looked back and realized the error of his ways. But he it's it, you know, he was so defensive about it at the end of the season that it was as if he was uh, unaware of this shortcoming or he was just being defensive. Um, well, that's that's true. I guess you could question why did it take this long? Why didn't he have someone in his ear in week 12 saying, yo, we I mean, yeah. we were talking about it all year long. We were, yeah, but he, like you said, he doesn't often yeah. have time to listen. Yeah, you're right. But, I mean, we asked him about it at press conferences. Um, do, you, do you think he could hire someone as a... A listener? Yeah, what would the, what would the official, like, football guy title be for that? Um, po- like podcast quality control? Is that? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Director of no, you know what it is. It's 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 uh, it's the uh, quality control coach. Okay. Well, he said, you know, he he's really all for uh, hiring women. Bruce Arians hired a couple women on his staff. Maybe that's a way to get a woman on his staff. Could be a listener. Okay. Then relay the information to him and make sure he's on his toes next year. Let's have uh, let's have Nepa send her uh, send her resume over to Doug ASAP. Okay. There you go. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, what else jumped out to you from from Doug? Let's see. That wasn't interesting. There's the the, uh, the Wentz stuff, but we. Uh, yeah. You don't think that's interesting? Yeah, I'm just scrolling down. I'm not okay. going to give away the whole article for these losers who don't subs- who don't subscribe to the Athletic and want all of it. You want all of it? Go read it. Amen. Uh, the analytics stuff was interesting. I think it was clearly a talking point for Jeffrey Lurie during uh, his press conference you know he said we are quote pretty obsessed with it using the data uh, what i really liked is that you know this player tracking data that's available to teams i said yo jeff can we make this available to the public and he's basically said yeah we've got to do that that makes all the sense in the world and this is this uh, league filled with paranoia and you know the other leagues they they've talked about how they've just sort of unleashed all this data and in the public sphere it is bloggers and fans and college students and uh, all these people making a lot of the advancements with the data that does not happen in the NFL because none of us have the data and so I I thought that was a very good sign Uh, let's see it really feels like there's I don't want to say a tug of war but it feels like Lurie is just probably constantly pushing this stuff on on Peterson and saying, uh, you know, and I think Peterson's open to it, but it's not necessarily in his nature. I don't know if you get, I don't know if Jeffrey's quite that hands-on. No, well, maybe not like directly, but organizationally, it seems like he sets the tone with it. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, you disagree? Uh, I just don't know how hands. I think he's. I think he's a big fan of it. Okay, I think he's a he's a champion of it. I just don't know if he's. I don't know how tone-setting he is. Okay. You feel and like I, think that is, I think that Howie's. I think that I think that Howie is just as just as interested in that stuff. Okay. You did a good job. It sounds like you uh, you cornered cornered Jeffrey on uh, on Hallaby a little bit. I don't know if I cornered him. You know, he was no, talking. You, well, you cornered him. Let's you know. You you got it. You you know you found him in a dark alley and you uh, you gave him no choice. Well, he was talking about the staff, and he got a Joe Douglas question. Well, they, they, they tend to do this a lot, where they champion you know, their analytics staff, but then they, will not, they don't explain anything about it. They, they don't want to lift the cover of, uh, of anything. So. That's true. Yeah, but no, the conversation started with he was asked about Joe Douglas, and he said it was a strange answer once again. He said, he said yeah. Joe Douglas does a terrific job, uh, you know, but then he said it's not one guy. It's, uh, you know, they've, him and Howie have assembled a great staff. And then he said this quote, we also at some point are going to lose executives. When you're winning, you're going to lose executives. And I think we're in a great position to be able to deal with that. Yeah, it's interesting that he, that he said that in the response to the Joe Douglas question. Correct. So 
that's something to sort of tuck away. The other uh, thing I want to say is that there's this um, there's this narrative in the Eagles fan base that like that Howie is terrible at the draft and uh, and like he really needs Joe Douglas's input in order for the Eagles to have good drafts. The the two thousand the what was it the two thousand uh, sixteen draft before Joe Douglas got there when they drafted Carson Wentz, all Howie, a very good draft. Obviously they they got Wentz, you know Sayamalo in the third didn't necessarily look like a home run pick right away, but but I think he is a fine starter, which is all you expect in the third round. And then they got Vitai in the fifth, very good, and Jalen Mills in the seventh, excellent. The next year the like. The Joe Douglas putting his stamp on the draft. Barnett in the first. Okay, good pick. Sidney Jones, probably bad right now. Rasul Douglas, okay, like mediocre for a third-round pick. Pumphrey, a disaster. And nobody else. Nate Gary. Nate Gary's a solid pick in the fifth round. The next year, I think the tea leaves were reading that it was a little bit less of like the uh, you know production, production, Joe Douglas influence. Goddard, solid pick. We can debate the resources. Uh, Avante Maddox, an outstanding pick. And Josh Sweat, you know, who knows? Probably not great. But, like, compared to the rest of the league, those are, those are, those are pretty solid drafts. But I'm not so sure that, like, Joe Douglas is some savant. I, don't, it's, I, think, I think the Eagles, you know, respect to Joe Douglas. I think the Eagles will be just fine when it comes to drafting if, if he has to go somewhere else. Well, the truth is we just don't know what the internal process is like. Well, that's, that's exactly right. You know, we can, we can claim we know who – I mean, and Howie's like – Howie's long-term track record is not great, but it's also not terrible. Yes, and I, I do think we can say that Howie – it feels like Howie has final say on everything, so. Right. I don't know. Um, but okay, so that yeah, so he mentioned that, and he mentioned the team that you know they have, and so uh, I wanted to ask about two people. One was Tom Donahoe, Donahoe mm-hmm. who we just see around all the time. I mean, he's in the locker room after games. He's always with uh, with Joe Douglas. I you know I see him talking to players a lot. He talks to players uh, a lot. Yeah, and it seems like he has a great relationship with a lot of these. And guys. he was very involved in that 2016 draft when which you wrote about the Wentz. Yes, right. Yeah, exactly. So he's sort of been this behind-the-scenes figure who's been around and is, you know, this kind of football lifer. And, uh, you know, so Jeffrey Lurie said that uh, Donahoe has been a great guy to sort of bounce ideas off. He Senior advisor is the title, and that's really what it is. It seems like he's uh, kind of – he described him as the old wise man who uh, anybody can talk to. And if they have a question or they're not sure or there's a disagreement, you want to see what he has to say about it. So that was one. And then, uh, yeah, Alec Halliday. I didn't realize when I first wrote about Alec Halliday, it was – 2013 and at that point they let all the you know they had all the scouts and a lot of people i remember they were all in that novacare cafeteria and it was like you could there was one day where you could just interview everybody and uh you know i was obviously interested in the analytics and that kind of thing and so i interviewed him and then howie gave me some really good quotes about him saying that uh, his voice has really grown within the organization in a short amount of time. And, you know, there will be times where Howie really uh, likes a player, likes uh, the a possibility of making a move. And then he would say at that time, Hallaby would, you know, kind of show him the data and say, maybe this is why it's not a good idea and would disappoint him. But he liked having that information. And I didn't realize like, it, that's a, that was a long time ago. That's the last time they let him talk. It's the last. Time and I think there are a lot talk. of articles written about him that's yes. coming off of that. And I think that that scared them off. I think, I think that's it's, clear. It's pretty obvious that that's the case. Because he's moved up. In the, you know, it's not right. like they've buried him. He's moving up in the organization, but they uh, obviously have not uh, sort of allowed him to be a public face or whatever, you know, build his profile, that kind of thing. So, you know, Jeffrey Lurie did say that, uh, you know, he, he's had nice things to say. He said he's a very sharp guy, um, you know, helps us uh, – in a variety of areas, analytics, strategy, roster building, all those different types of things there. But, um, yeah, so he first time, you know, we've gotten any, any little morsel, but it wasn't, he could have expanded more if he wanted to, but, uh, right. He, you know, he, he didn't kind of let us in too much on that. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the organizational, uh, philosophy there. Don't talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess that does it for Doug. Anything else from uh, from Jeffrey? I mean, we've been talking about Jeffrey, but 
how about just his explanation of uh, building off of Howie's thing about the old guys, just sort of how much this roster has, has to be uh, flipped over the next couple of years? Yeah, he acknowledged that with the with the draft picks and uh, and getting younger and that type of thing. And he echoed the idea that we'd rather have a guy who's 31 who we feel like can be a high-level starter than a guy who's, uh, you know, 26 or 27 who might not be as good just because they're younger, that type of thing. So nothing, uh, nothing too earth-shattering there. Okay. Anything else? Uh, there was a thing from Doug about 12 personnel, which I thought was kind of interesting. Okay. We've, we've talked about this at length, but he did seem to really indicate that this is a focus of the offseason is to see how they can sort of uh, build and grow that personnel grouping and do different things with it than maybe they did a year ago. I mean, I don't know if the, the number, the percentage is going to be higher than it was a year ago, but uh, it does seem like that is uh, at least a bit of a focus for them this offseason. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Rob Gronkowski's retirement? Not a whole lot. Okay. My memory. I wrote some uh, tweets for him once upon a time. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, this is in your shady secret uh, past. That's huh? right. Okay, go ahead. Can you let us in any further? Yeah, this or no. This is for the uh, the tied uh, Super Bowl two two years two Super Bowl three Super Bowls ago. Okay. Tide Pods. Uh, and and uh, actually, it was like, uh, it was not just tweets. It was like um, uh, online spots copy. Okay. Branded so content. You, get... you know, I wasn't at the shoot. So did you have any interaction with him? No, I wasn't at the shoot. So what's like the assignment? I'm like, right. Uh, it's like a 30 second script. Wait, this was for like a commercial? But it's not like it, it's not a, it's not like a commercial. It's for like a you know an online video. And you write the script? I, for those, I, I believe I did. Where do I get to? Where do I watch this? I don't know if I mean this is one of those things where like you write a script and then there's like eighty revisions based on the, what the different parties want. Oh boy, he's being shady and turtling again. Okay, <laughs> one day we'll get to the bottom of what exactly you did during this. Uh, break in, in the NFL I like, world. I like uh, Tom McAllister's description of of Gronk from his uh, Super Bowl week essay, and he's a he's a walking LMFAO song. Okay, I think you can make the case that Gronk is the uh, you know if you disregard positional value, I think like uh, v- like how good he is. V- Compared to the next best player at his position, I think you can make a case that he's the best player of this generation. Wow. I didn't expect you to be going there. Let me think about this. Okay, quarterback. It's like, I think, he's, I think he's like very, very clearly the best tight end of all time. And I don't think there's anyone else playing now or, or of this generation who you could say is like definitely the best of all time. I'm trying to think about well Jerry Rice, right? But that's not this generation. Okay, this generation. Right. I think I think like you can make the case that Jerry Rice is the best player of all time. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying. Yeah, there's no, there wouldn't be a wide receiver. I mean, you had your your Moss and your To. Is that this generation or not? I don't even know what. This yeah, I feel like I feel like I feel like Moss is just up just on the cusp of a generation ago. Okay. There's certainly no running back unless I'm yeah. missing somebody. Well, maybe, you know, Saquon Barkley, generational talent. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, quarterback, you had Brady, Manning, and, and Rodgers. And, right. you know, these got um, – Brady has been the best and most accomplished. But, yeah, I don't – you could make the argument for others, and there's not that huge gap there. Who is the – I mean, is, is Tony Gonzalez, is that Gronkowski's generation or no? It's a different it generation. It is, right? It's a different, oh, it's different. I think that's a different generation. But, I mean, you can Even make the then, case I that think he's there's the same. a pretty sizable gap. Yeah. Okay. I like that take. That's a good take. Okay. There's no corner. There's no, no safety, you would say. Right. No line. Is there a linebacker? No, there's no linebacker. Jordan Hicks? Pass rush. <laughs> Jordan Hicks. J.J. Watt? Aaron Donald? No, yeah, I don't I mean, think it's... 
Yeah. I just named two though, so that that's what that negates it. Right. I mean, you could say that those are those are different positions, but okay. Well, my one Gronk uh, memory was I, I covered a great game. And you're going to love this because it involves uh, the Seahawks and the Patriots, two of your favorites. Mm. Uh, it was Seahawks-Patriots at Foxborough Sunday night, uh, the year after that disastrous uh, Super Bowl ending for the Seahawks. And it was just a, it was a fantastic game, and it came down to the end. And uh, the Patriots had one shot. I think they were in the red zone, and they needed a touchdown to win the game i think it was fourth day it was either fourth down or time was about to run out so they had one play and it was uh gronk versus cam chancellor these two you know mm. f- physical freak shows one-on-one uh fade to the end zone and uh and chancellor broke it up and uh, what i really liked about that is that it was a you could have argued I didn't think it was pass interference, but you could certainly say there was some contact. And I remember what I really appreciated at the time was that uh, like Gronk wasn't having that, you know, he didn't, oh, uh, he didn't complain or say anything. He's like, you know, that's kind of just two, two grown men going at it. He got the better of me on that play type deal. So I thought that was cool. I think it's, I think like, you know, he's probably mostly, uh, like he's obviously this, uh, sort of, interesting guy i guess you could say uh and i think he's mostly well-meaning although it's it is hard to forget that uh that thing he did against the bills right when he just gave that guy a concussion after the play that yes, was like the dirtiest play terrible. i've ever seen in my life yeah i, so, I think that's right <clears throat> so he's not all he's not all uh uh water slides and uh jello shots I think I had quite a rant on this podcast about that hit at the time. I, that was a disgusting hit, I it believe. Was, it was one of the, I mean, it's the, the filthiest thing I think I've ever seen on it. I forgot field. about that, to be quite honest, yeah. until you mentioned it. So, okay. Uh, I liked the proposal by the Eagles that, that didn't get enough support that the Cowboys and Lions should have to rotate playing home games and away games on Thanksgiving. Well, I do think, Jared, this is a theme. This is sort of a bigger theme, I think, is, is Jeffrey Lurie's flexing his muscles a little bit. But it did, he did, uh, I mean, he didn't get enough support. <laughs> it didn't, but uh, it, it is a... Uh, that is, is a unfair. Move to even suggest that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there are these traditions that are... And to go it's after them... competitive advantage. It's true, yeah. So his point was that, you know, the, the, a big competitive disadvantage is going on the road on a Thursday night game. Nobody wants to do that. And so the Cowboys and the Lions get to play those games at home every year, and another team has to go on the road. That's not fair. They should have to go on the road, and they don't have to. And so, yeah, the Eagles proposed, what was it, that they alternate? Year, alternate yeah. which I think is totally reasonable. One year on the road. It didn't get enough support, but it seemed like Lurie was like, we're going to bring it up and we're going to keep revisiting this. It's not fair. I like that. Which I'm sure Jerry Jones didn't enjoy. Well, that's good. I did see Jerry Jones uh, grease a little palm of a uh, <laughs> uh, hostess or a restaurant manager here <laughs> when I was having lunch. It was after he ate. and it just I have no idea how much money it was, but it was like legitimately, <laughs> you know, shit, he took money out and then like shook the hand and just... Really? <laughs> It was pretty awesome. That's yeah. very funny. <laughs> That's good. I did the same thing and gave two dollars. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you, you gave you gave him a Lincoln. <laughs> That's very good. So those are some of the fun things that you get to see. But yeah, Larry did that. Then you know he was asked about uh, playing internationally, and he's like, "Oh, we had a great experience in London. Uh, we would love to play more." And then he's like, "But we're not giving up any home games." <laughs> yeah, smart. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so this uh, this new rule, the offensive defensive pass interference reviewable. Now, what is it? it, it it's it's subject to a coach's challenge and automatically reviewed in the last two minutes. Is that the rule? That's the rule. I mean, automatically reviewed. It's it'll be oh, sort of by eye, eye in the sky. I think. So if some people are like something. excited about this rule, this is a disaster. I think. You think so? Why? Oh my god! First of all, it's going to make the games even more interminable. Like every, you know, this is, is it a, though because the number of challenges do not change. So you're talking about the last two minutes. Yes, right? the is last two minutes. And as they say, you know, it's cliche, but like you could call pass interference on every play. 
So like the the like that's what, not true. What is the what is the uh, line that that is more than ticky tack that is gonna that is gonna be worth like the play they call they showed at the Super Bowl that Brandon Cooks won that would have given the Rams the ball on the one yard line that's a ter- that's a that's a weak call. Oh, I don't even remember that one to be quite honest. I think this is I think this is terrible. I think I uh, it's just like Sean Payton throws a fit and gets what he wants. This is it's just like they don't we don't need we don't need more. Uh, replays where nobody knows what the rule is and then we find out what the uh justification is for the refs and we also don't need more like appearance of the league is making the decisions from new york on the outcomes of games well i don't have a strong take on this i wish i did i wish i could go one way or the other and express some outrage Uh, i think it could go the way you're describing and could be disastrous for the uh, reasons you outlined, but I don't think it's necessarily going to go that way. I don't think you can call pass interference on every play because this isn't deep. You could call defensive holding on every play pass interference. The ball has to be thrown to that receiver. And I don't, I don't think it's always the case that it's uh, you know, that there's this, this contact while the ball's in the air, you have to reach certain sort of levels for that to be the case. So I don't necessarily okay, every other play. It, going to be constant what about hail mary's that now that is going to be interesting someone did you know someone said oh you know that that's not the uh nature of the the rule or the intention well it doesn't really matter yeah if there's a hail mary i mean there's a lot of contact on those hail mary's i mean i'd be you know if you're if you're down um seven with like 30 seconds left at midfield just throw four hail mary's well, you should probably be doing that anyway. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so, yeah, that that could be an issue. It doesn't change the number of challenges. So, uh, you know, you, except for the last two minutes, you're not really uh, extending the game. It's not like you're giving them more challenges to use. So uh, we'll see. It was funny. I mean, I was standing in this hallway after it was announced and, uh, like, the celebration, me and Jeff McLean were just cracking up at it like, uh, you know, how stupid this the league is and how how important you know everybody's making this seem it's like it's so God, silly this is not that big of a deal that really stands out at these things i mean it's really just a big uh, everybody's patting themselves on the back for what a great uh, league they it is and all these sort of inconsequential things but uh yeah so that part of it was certainly funny give me uh give me lasers on the nose of the football so we can get uh, spotting the ball accurately and as you know, Jimmy Kemsky pointed this out yesterday. How about a buzzer when the play clock hits zero? Nice. What's so hard about yeah, that? Yeah, what's so hard about that? They always complain about yeah. well, it hit zero, but the official had to then look that's at the clock. That's a great. That's a great rule. Time, it's a great. It's so easy. Uh, the, it's how about the uh, like? I like clock. like the the uh, the advanced technology of a buzzer. Right. <laughs> how about we institute right. that? This should be, you know, maybe by 2023, they should be able to get that in place, I feel. <laughs> That's a really good point by Jimmy. I like that. Yeah, so. What do you think, we'll about, uh, what do you think about this uh, onside kick thing? Is that, is that uh, going into effect or what? No, I think that got voted okay. down. It got I, tabled? I, I like that. I like, I like it too, although I – is there like uh, math on that 4th and 15 is the right percentage? There was supposedly math. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't trust it. It feels like it feels too easy to me. Does it feel that way to you? You're, uh, that's because of Corey that's Graham. That's because you're, of Corey Graham. You're probably right. They could name it the Corey Graham rule. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, no, I thought that would be fun. Yeah, I don't know what the right yardage is, but it seems like if you get like one person who's relatively good at math, it shouldn't be that hard to figure out what the yardage should yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. For that. If you want to keep the percentage the same, uh, you know, as a previous onside kick. But uh, I thought that would be fun. Yeah, I think I like that. Although, I mean, I do like an onside kick. Right, but it does. See, I can't even remember. It seems like they never get converted now. Yeah, well, because they've changed the rules, right? So that everybody has to be on equal sides. Yeah. More, More surprise onside kicks. That's really my champion, the cause that I'd like to champion. Getting back to the replay, one thing of note is that it, it sounds like Jeffrey Lurie had a pretty big voice during that discussion. Oh, really? Yeah. It sounds like he was one of the people who were like, 
we're not leaving. Like, I don't care how long it takes. We've got to figure this out. And he kept using the phrase, the integrity of the game. He was 100% on board. He said he's voted for every one of these over the last decade. He's voted for the Belichick rule, which is that anything is reviewable. Mm. So Lurie wants this to just be the start of something grander. He feels like replay needs to be expanded even more, which I know it sounds like you don't uh, agree with, but uh, he definitely is on that side of it. Well... I, I do think there's a case to be made that, like, if you're going to be doing these incremental things, like, this is reviewable now, this is reviewable now, then then just make everything reviewable and you still just get your three challenges. That's fine. But the still, the, then, like, the last two minutes will be sort of interminable. Yeah. So, we'll see. As I told someone, I, I have been attending the owners' meetings for several years now. I generally pay no attention. And then in August, we have that right. day where the officials come in and explain. And I'm like, what the hell? Right. When, did, when did these things – what? What What are we doing with these rules? So I generally will save my outrage. You'll get something from me like August 18th about this once I uh, you know, care a little bit more about it. That's fair. Okay. Uh, what, do you got, what do you got going on now? I didn't say this weekend, so you can't get on me for that. Uh. I'm meeting Lemur's brother here soon. Nice. Is that the same one we met in Nashville? No, this is this is the other brother. Wow. The, f- so he, the full he lemur at, tree. Full lemur tree. So he lives in Arizona. So I'm going to be uh, grabbing some lunch with him, and then uh, I'm going to be jumping on a flight and working on another story. Oh baby. I'll be back on Saturday. You don't have to tell us what the story is, but give us a little tease on where you're flying. Okay. I mean, a tease. Do you want me to just tell you? Los Angeles. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, tell us where you're flying is the tease for the story. Okay. That's a fun, uh, a, a fun story I think people will enjoy. Maybe. Don't get your hopes up yet. Okay. Low expectations. Un- under promise, over deliver. That's right. Okay. Um, anything else? Any other Eagle stuff? Well, I'm going uh, to – I have uh, some time – with the with the traveling, I'm gonna I'm gonna go real deep on some uh, draft stuff. So I feel like by the time we revisit uh, next week for our next pod, next I'm week we will be doing the Duck Duck Juice draft, Ugh. in which we draft the positions the Eagles are mo- most likely to draft. Okay, and then yeah, we 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 uh, it's time to turn our full attention, come up with That's a right. few official prospects of Burns with friends. Mm-hmm. What do you think about doing a big board? I like a big board. Like a legit big board. Like a round-by-round round type deal. Okay. Are we still going to do the Athletic 100? The Athletic Philly 100? Oh, God, I hated that. Mm. But it was, How did that it, perform? It, it was helpful. It was helpful. We've got to check the numbers on that bad boy. Yeah, that's a good idea. And we have to do better than waiting. When did we post that? Like an hour before the draft? <laughs> I think it was. I think it was like week of, but... Okay. I think we should have something like two weeks before the draft. Yeah, you're probably right. Big board, athletic 100, something like that. Okay. Fran, can you do that for us if you're listening? That would be great. We can say say it's like an anonymous scout or something. Yeah. A a league source. League source. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Uh, I do want to say that uh, it's important to take a uh, victory lap in honor of uh, Jessica Capadia. The public has no, no, the no, public no. has uh, spoken, and hashtag Shields wife was right is uh, the overwhelming response. I believe there was one person who had your side. Well, uh, as always, you don't uh, you're not painting a complete picture, and you didn't put the work in to. Uh, really understand that you're wrong on this. And if you go to our iTunes page, you know, the smart listeners, I asked them to leave oh, their... I haven't checked that. You're right. I haven't checked reviews, that. And uh, listen, there's plenty of people who, who can't believe um, how some of you people act and don't support small businesses. So uh, I am the official Birds with Friends host of small businesses. <laughs> uh, I will continue to be your champion. And uh, you will not see me bringing in any type of outside food or beverage into your establishment. 
and uh, Burlap and Bean, I apologize for my wife's actions. And uh, I'm going to call the I, owner of Burlap and Bean. I'm going to uh, you know make some extra purchases, maybe uh, hand out some some nice avocado toast to other patrons, uh, whatever I can to make up for this. Well, hey, Burlap and Bean, maybe you maybe you get yourself a uh, a, a seltzer in that for sale. Again, that just reinforces. SBK, Small Business Capadia. <laughs> I, think, I think Small Business Shield is a little bit better. SBS, okay. Okay. Um, all right. I guess that'll do it. We'll talk to you next week for the Duck Duck Juice Draft. And as always, we love you. <laughs>